0: Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and I hope that everyone has had an incredible weekend or week, depending on when you are listening to this episode. It feels like it has been quite some time since I have been behind the mic due to my husband coming home from deployment. Yay! So, I just want to give a quick shout out once more to my fellow podcast friends who helped fill in for me while I took some much needed time with my family to adjust to life back with my husband home. If you haven't checked out those other podcasts, I suggest you give them a listen. Again, if you haven't listened to those episodes with our guest hosts, it was Leah from Least of These, the girls from Dealing Justice, and Margot from Military Murder. All are incredible human beings with incredible purposes with their podcast. And for those who are new to our podcast, Missing Mondays is a segment that was created to help keep missing persons name and information in the media the best we can and to hopefully help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time. And while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. These cases are always the dearest to my heart because there are families and friends out there wondering every single day when they wake up what happened to their missing loved one. They're wondering every time a set of human remains are found if that is their loved one. These cases cannot go forgotten and today's case is one that has remained unsolved for just over 30 years. Today's Missing Monday case is on the disappearance of Monique Daniels. Monique Christine Daniels, who also went by the nickname of Nikki, was born on June 16, 1976 to her mother Candace and her biological father, whom we are not going to name. She was her parents' oldest child, and she had three younger siblings. Now, Monique's biological father was not a good person. He was sexually abusive, and I do not know the full details about what all he did and who he did things to but I know that it was an extremely hard time for the children in the home, and they constantly lived in fear. Candace eventually divorced Monique's biological father, and he would later be convicted and sentenced to prison as a sex offender. Candace was in the Air Force, and eventually she met a man by the name of Chalk, who was also in the Air Force, and the two of them quickly fell in love and got married. Chuck jumped into that role of stepfather and in an interview with Crime Watch Daily, Monique's sister Angelique said that she, when she first met Chuck, she was so happy that she jumped into his arms and she was so excited to finally have a man in her life that she could call dad and know that he wouldn't hurt her. She felt safe around him and was so excited to finally have what everyone would consider a normal family dynamic and a normal family life. After their new life began, Chuck and Candace had two more children and was building a life as a family of eight in Moore, Oklahoma. According to Angelique, things didn't settle into that happily ever after like she and her siblings had hoped. With Chuck and Candace being both in the military, they ran their home like a boot camp. I mean, it was so strict and rules upon rules. And there was often a lot of fighting both verbal and physical between Candace and Chuck as well as the children. Overall, with Monique being a teenager at this point, it was really hard for her to settle into this new life. Her life outside of the house was great though. She was very well loved and well liked by her friends and peers and she had boys that were interested in her. She excelled in school and had dreams of becoming a doctor someday. Monique was also the type of friend that you could always count on and did anything for others if she could. However, in 1992, at 15 years old, Monique became pregnant, and naturally, this was a really big deal for Monique's parents. Obviously, I think any parent would be upset about their 15-year-old getting pregnant, but Monique's parents being the strict drill instructor-like parents that they were, they were absolutely livid. And according to Monique's sister, Angelique, her parents forced Monique to get an abortion. It was not long after this forced abortion that Monique packed her bags and she actually ran away from home. And Angelique recalls that after this first time running away, her parents looked every single day for Monique. When the phone calls came in of possible sightings or people saying they knew where Monique was, Chuck and Candace would rush out to go look and see if they could find her. At some point, Monique's best friend convinced her to go back home to her family. Angelique said in the interview with Crime Watch Daily that Chuck really fed the fire and kept everyone within the home feuding against each other. A couple weeks after Monique was back at the home, her mother Candace, sister Angelique, and brother Brian were all invited to go on this church choir trip. And this trip was set to be a week long. Angelique recalls it being a really odd week with her mother she says that it rained most of the week while they were away but the most memorable thing for her was that her mother just seemed really quiet and really off almost as if there was something that just wasn't right with her mother and possibly that there was like something bothering her. After the choir trip was over and they arrived back home, Angelique remembered that their normally organized and well-put-together house was in a total disarray. There was empty beer cans and cigarette butts all over the house, including ones that had been put out on top of the fireplace mantle. And inside of the bathroom, there was an empty pregnancy test box. When I say this was completely out of character for what this house normally looked like, let me remind you that both Chuck and Candace ran their home like drill instructors. This house was usually completely spotless, absolutely pristine, with not a thing out of place. So when Angelique saw the house looking like she had never seen it before, this was something that was like a core memory to her and it stuck out to her like a sore thumb. Something was clearly wrong. Chuck told them the moment they walked in the house, quote, Monique is gone again. And Candace's only reply was, Really? And Angelique recalls that it didn't seem like her mother cared at all, not like that first time when Monique ran off. From the way Candace replied and acted, it seemed like it was just, okay, whatever, Monique had ran off. And as the days passed, they did nothing this time to track down their daughter, once more very unlike that first time. As time passed, little by little, Chuck and Candace began erasing Monique from their lives. They went and took new family pictures to replace the old ones that had Monique in them. Conversations about Monique were essentially forbidden, and Angelique and her siblings were told that if Monique wanted to be there with the family, she would have been. But to Monique's aunt Leslie, who was the sister of Candace, something wasn't adding up and she had this awful gut feeling about everything. Leslie tried everything she could to help the family search for Monique. She was brainstorming any kind of way that she could bring awareness to this case and this happened to be in 1992, so social media wasn't a thing back then. But one idea she had was to get Monique listed in the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's database. Leslie called up her sister Candace requesting that she give her the police report number so that she could get Monique listed. Candace assured Leslie that she would get that information for her and get back to her shortly, but that call never came. It eventually came out that Candace and Chuck never reported Monique missing. And by this time that this was found out, six months had already gone by with no sign and no word from their daughter. Now, Candace and Chuck's reasoning, they said, for not reporting her missing was because this was the second time that she had ran off. And they were pretty much just saying that they were trying to respect her wishes, of her not wanting to live with the family anymore, and for her just to be on her own. Now, if you ask me... No matter whether a 15-year-old wants to run off or not, they're still your responsibility. And to not even try and look for her or even make a report of her being missing is just suspicious to me. To not know whether your child is okay or where they're at or if they really truly ran away on their own is just wrong. As I'm sure all of you guys listening can agree, something just does not seem to add up here. So now six months have gone by since she was last seen, which means all of these leads and opportunities have been missed. People may have forgotten information by this point, and just so much could happen within six months of no active searching for a missing person. It wasn't long after everyone found out that no police report was ever made that the phone rang, and when Angelique answered it, it was Monique calling. Later that night, Candace made sure to call everyone in the family to let them know that Monique had made contact and there was no need to worry about her any longer. A week after that phone call came in, a letter from Monique arrived at the Daniels household, and it was postmarked from Dallas, Texas, which was over like 200 miles away from where they lived in Moore, Oklahoma. In this letter, Monique wrote that she was married and that she had a baby named Chelsea. She also said that she just wanted to send a letter to let her mom know that she was okay. Once more, Candace told everyone about the contact, but Monique's aunt once more wasn't buying it. Leslie contacted the Moore Police Department requesting that a handwriting specialist take a look at the letter and compare it to other known letters Monique had written. Leslie was certain that her sister had forged this letter claiming to be Monique. Candace agreed to take letters down to the police station, but on the day before she was set to take these letters in, the Daniels home was broken into. Angelique tells Crime Watch Daily that inside the home, they found that there was some furniture that was tipped over, some CDs and boom boxes were missing, and oddly enough, those letters that Candace was meant to take in the following day were magically missing too. Now, what kind of burglar goes into a home and steals letters? I can't say that I have ever heard of a case where something like a handwritten letter was stolen during a break-in. So if that doesn't make red flags fly and a huge neon sign saying something ain't right, I do not know what will. And this is also where the story gets even more bizarre. Angelique actually knew some information about these letters that she hadn't told anyone and had kept it completely to herself. These letters were not written by Monique. And they hadn't been written by Candace either, like her Aunt Leslie had thought. The letters had actually been written by Angelique herself. And Angelique now says that being involved in writing these letters was one of her biggest regrets. According to Angelique, that phone call that came in was also fake. She said that when she picked up the phone when it rang, she pretended that Monique was on the other end, and she claimed the reasoning for faking the phone call and the letter was because her father, Chuck, told her that her mother was suicidal, and he said that the only way that he could think to make Candace feel better was if that she had heard from Monique. He convinced her that it was the best thing to do to help Candace out of her dark state and Angelique agreed to help her mother. Not only that, but Chuck also told Angelique that if she ever admitted to anyone that she faked these letters, she would go to jail for lying and for being involved. Now this whole thing is completely sketchy. The dad forcing his other daughter to write these letters and fake these phone calls to make people stop worrying about his other daughter. He clearly isn't worried about Monique's whereabouts and why. Is it because he knows where she is? Did he do something to her? Angelique certainly thought that he and her mother were involved in her older sister's disappearance, but at this point in time, she just assumed that Chuck had sent Monique away to a military school because that was something that he often threatened to do. For two years, she fought against her parents trying to find out the truth about what happened to her sister, and I believe as time went on, something in the back of her mind was telling her that something more sinister happened to her, which I can imagine is hard to think about as a young teen herself. The people she loved and someone who should always be there for her possibly had something to do with her sister's disappearance angelique had enough of the lies and what she felt was like a cover-up that she ended up running away to michigan to live with her aunt leslie when leslie picked up angelique from the bus stop angelique came clean to her aunt about the letters and fake phone call and the first thing out of leslie's mouth was quote what has he done with her This is when Angelique finally came to terms that her feelings of what if might actually be true. That Chuck and possibly her own mother had done something really bad to Monique. Now, for Angelique and her aunt, what was proof that Chuck and Candace knew more than what they were saying was when Angelique ran away, Chuck and Candace filed a police report on her unlike they had done for her sister Monique two years before. And they filed this police report pretty much immediately after they realized that Angelique was gone, once more unlike they had for Monique. And the family also learned at this point that in those two years that Monique had been missing, they never filed a missing persons report on her and only did so finally when Angelique herself ran away. So finally, the police are involved, and they themselves were shocked to learn that two years had gone by before they decided to report their oldest daughter missing. So they start questioning Chuck and Candace, and they admit that they didn't file the report, and Chuck even came clean about the faked letters. When asked if they would take a lie detector test, both Candace and Chuck denied doing one. While beginning to search for Monique, police were able to get in touch with a neighbor who claimed that they had witnessed Monique getting into a truck on the day that she was last seen. But in my opinion, with two years having gone by, how can this neighbor know for sure that that was the day she was actually to have gone missing? That is a lot of time that had passed to remember something so detailed and so specific on the day. I can't remember what I ate for dinner last Monday. Shoot, I can't even remember what I barely did on Friday. But to remember something like that just seems almost impossible. This neighbor very well could have remembered Monique getting into a truck on another day, but to say that it was the actual day that she went missing, I'm not sold. But that's just me. Despite the neighbor coming forward and making the story of Monique running off sound more likely, Angelique was too scared to go back home. She told her Aunt Leslie that both of her parents were both mentally and physically abusive angelique also went to the child protective services and filed child abuse charges against her own parents this started a court battle where chuck and candace were trying to get angelique extradited back to oklahoma but the judge in michigan said absolutely no way chuck and candace eventually pled no contest to child abuse and neglect charges Angelique and Leslie began trying to rally for any and all media attention that they could get. They did several public media appearances and talked openly about how they both believed that both Chuck and Candace were involved in Monique's disappearance. Not long after Angelique and Leslie went public with everything, Candace and Chuck and their remaining children moved to Germany for 10 years. And while that does sound odd, they were in the military, and from my understanding, this move was due to military orders. Eventually, another child of Candace and Chuck came forward with his own allegations of child abuse and neglect, and he also called his sister Angelique, who at this point was married and a grown woman herself. And when Angelique answered the phone, she was surprised to hear that her brother Andrew was on the other end, and he was crying on the phone Angelique asked him what was wrong, if he was okay, and why he was crying, and Andrew only said, quote, she wasn't talking. Angelique knew that he meant Monique, and that he was finally about to come clean about something that he knew. Andrew claimed that on the morning that Monique disappeared, she and their father Chuck had been fighting non-stop. However, the fights between Monique and Chuck weren't unusual, but what was unusual was when Chuck came to the boys and told them that they were going on a spur-of-the-moment fishing trip and that they needed to go say goodbye to their sister Monique. And let me remind you that when Monique went missing and all of this had said to have taken place was when Angelique, one of her brothers, and their mother was away on that choir trip. So Chuck tells the boys that they needed to go say goodbye to Monique, but instead of allowing the boys to go into her room, they were only allowed to speak to her through her cracked bedroom door. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but the interview I saw with Andrew made it seem like when they spoke to Monique through the door, they couldn't really see her, and what they could see was that she was sitting on her bedroom floor and that her legs were crossed, but she wasn't moving. And in this interview, Andrew didn't mention if Monique ever talked back, but from what I kind of gathered, it didn't seem like she had. After this, the boys loaded up in the car for that spur-of-the-moment fishing trip, and Chuck drove for two hours away in the pouring down rain, but he didn't pack their fishing poles. After driving for two hours, they got off at an exit— they ate McDonald's and then they turned around and headed back home. When they arrived back home, Andrew recalls that her father pulled the car into the garage and then he shut the door. He went inside the home, leaving the children inside the car for over an hour before he came back out and let them inside the house. When they were finally allowed inside the home, Andrew rushed to go use the bathroom, and he claims that while inside the bathroom, he got this eerie feeling that he wasn't alone. The shower curtain was closed, and he says that he has reason to believe that his sister Monique was inside that bathtub. Before Andrew was able to check, Chuck rushed the boys into his bedroom and told them that he was going to go look for Monique. And then he locked them inside the room for two whole days. After this, Andrew doesn't really remember a whole lot more and he was pretty young when all of this took place, but one of the other brothers who had been in that room that day later told Angelique that when Chuck came back, he took him with him in his truck and that the only thing he could really remember is that he was riding in his dad's truck and in the back of the truck, in the bed of it, there was an oil barrel. Again, he was also young, he doesn't remember where they went, what they did, or anything beyond that oil barrel being in the back of his dad's truck. Angelique is certain that inside that oil drum was the body of her sister, and that on that day, Chuck Daniels took that oil drum and buried it somewhere. When Andrew came to Angelique with his story of that day, she convinced him to go to the police, and he did police took the story very seriously and they obtained a search warrant to dig up the property where the family had once lived, but they found nothing. When Crime Watch Daily approached Candace and Chuck, they both denied to answer any questions stating that it's in God's hands and they don't know what happened to her. They also weren't pleased to be talking about Monique, and Candace even said that her own daughter Angelique is a messed up young lady and not a reliable source. I do want to say that both Candace and Chuck have never been charged with any kind of involvement in Monique's case, nor have they ever been named as official suspects. The Moore Police Department have done the best that they can in their search for Monique and continue to still look for active tips and possible information. Unfortunately, because there is no sign of foul play and no proof that Monique didn't actually run away, she is still just listed as a missing person. Once more, I want to reiterate that Chuck and Candace are innocent until proven guilty and that there is no 100% proof that they were involved in Monique's disappearance. Many just speculate their involvement due to the lack of urgency in reporting Monique missing and given the things that the other children can remember. Angelique is not giving up the fight to find out what happened to her sister. Though Angelique believes that something bad happened to her sister, there are many people out there who believe that Monique did in fact just run away. There is speculation that Monique was pregnant again and that she ran away to have this baby somewhere so she wouldn't be forced to have another abortion. And that by the time the baby finally came, Monique was happy and living a new life that she had built for herself and didn't want to go back to her family. And while I can see how that might be plausible, the only hang-up for me is why hasn't Monique made contact with her sister or any of her brothers? After all of these years, how has there been no sightings or anything else? I feel that eventually she would have came out of hiding and made contact with at least her siblings or even her aunt who fought hard to try and find her. But again, it's been radio silence. Monique Daniels was last seen on June 2nd, 1992 at her home in Moore, Oklahoma. At the time of her disappearance, she was 15 years old and was 5'4 and 125 pounds. Monique was last seen wearing a men's large green military-type flight jacket and a men's diamond ring that was too large for her, so she taped the underside of it to keep it on her finger. Monique is a white female with brown to sandy blonde hair and blue eyes. She had a half moon shaped scar on the outside of her left ankle and a three inch scar on her right shin. She had a mole on her upper left side of her lip and her upper incisor tooth was chipped. If Monique is still alive today, she would now be 46 years old. If you or anyone you know has information on the disappearance of Monique Daniels, you can contact the Moore Police Department at 405-793-5151. Crimeaholics, if you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, you can join it by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. In there, we share all pictures and information information pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. You can also follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast, and if you'd like more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok again at crimeaholics.podcast. And lastly, if you wish to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at crimaholly crimeaholics that is all for this week's missing monday until next time be aware and take care